Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King, and I'm your host today on uh, Calvary Live to take your questions and your prayer requests. Hey, I want to welcome our listeners on Grace FM all up and down the front range. It's really a privilege and honor to be able to be with you today, uh, to be able to share some time uh, over the radio waves. What a cool thing technology allows us to be able to do, to be able to talk with one another, to be able to uh, experience uh, the presence of the Lord together as we think about Him and pray to Him and study His Word together. Uh, I'd love to be able to talk to you today and uh, be able to uh, maybe answer some questions or pray with you. Also, uh, I want to welcome our listeners on the East Coast. We have a couple of different stations that our program is syndicated on. Uh, we have Hope FM that's in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to all of you uh, out there. Also, Truth FM in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Uh, it's really awesome that we're able to, from Denver, uh, be able to speak to you on the East Coast as well. What a cool, awesome privilege that is. Hey, if you are listening on either Hope FM or Truth FM uh, on the East Coast, you're hearing this broadcast on a one-week delay. So I just want to encourage you uh, to still call in. Uh, there, we are still in the studio. We'd still love to talk to you, um, but uh, you're, you're not going to hear it you know, live. Uh, but you get the added uh, bonus of hearing yourself next week. So you can tune in and uh, hear your, your answer next week. Hey, again, my name is Cody King. Uh, I'm here uh, to take your calls today, hosting Calvary Live, and I am the pastor of Redemption Calvary. Uh, Redemption Calvary, we are a church located in Commerce City, um, and uh, we've been here for five years. My family and I moved here from uh, Southern California, uh, where the In-N-Out flows freely, uh, praise the Lord. And uh, there's rumor of In-N-Out coming to Colorado. When that happens, I'm going to be I'm going to be there for sure. But uh, hey, um, we so my family and I we moved out from Southern California to plant uh, the church here in uh, Commerce City. And man, it's been it's been a blessing. It's been a wild roller coaster ride, um, but it's been a really cool thing to be able to to be a part of what God's doing here in Colorado. Um, we are, have just recently moved our meeting location. Um, and so we are now meeting at the Holiday Inn Express in Brighton, which is right near Prairie Center. Um, if you're up in this northern area, Brighton, Commerce City area, you know where that's at because that's where you go to Target. That's where you go to Home Depot. Uh, and so we're actually meeting in the Holiday Inn Express right there uh, near there. And uh, we have one service at 10 a.m., and we'd love to have you join us. If you need uh, directions or you just want to check out more about our church, kind of get some more information about us or see some of our messages, you can do that uh, by visiting our website. It's redemptioncalvary.org, redemptioncalvary.org, um, and you can check us out there online. Also, we are here on um, Grace FM uh, during the week uh, as a radio program. So our, our radio program airs Monday through Friday at 8 p.m., uh, and there, there's uh, that's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. 
Uh, and that's because there's a live service broadcast on Wednesday during that same time. So we got those four nights, Redemption Radio broadcast here. And uh, we're just uh, excited to be a part of what God's doing here in Colorado, being able to use radio as a ministry tool. Hey, I'd love to be able to talk to you. So uh, give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the phone number. And you can also send in text messages. That number is 720-336-0897. So call me, text me. I'd love to be able to uh, talk with you, to be able to see what God's doing in your life, and uh, to be able to uh, walk through some of these things uh, with you. Hey, just a, a note on the texting. If you're driving, do not text me. Um, pull over, uh, you know, figure something out, but don't drive and text. Super dangerous. You don't want to do anything like that. Um, hey, uh, also, uh, as I'm just kind of thinking about some different things that are going on here, one of the things that uh, I'm really passionate about is teaching the Bible. Um, and not just necessarily me teaching the Bible, but teaching the Bible in general. Uh, just the, the concept and the idea of teaching the Bible. And something that I love is being able to learn and grow in my personal ability and uh, development of Bible teaching. But also, I love assisting people in their Bible teaching. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the big things I'm passionate about is what's called expository preaching. Um, there are a number of styles and ways that people teach the Bible, but the one that I'm dedicated to and uh, most Calvary Chapel churches are dedicated to is the idea of expository preaching. Now, Calvary Chapel isn't the only one who does expository preaching by far. There are a number of churches uh, that do that. I, that's just the, the tribe or the camp that uh, I happen to be a part of and, and uh, also with uh, Calvary Aurora and Pastor Ed who uh, has this radio um, ministry uh, of Grace FM. But, uh, you know, this this whole idea of expository teaching and preaching, if that's a new word to you, basically what that means is the word expository, it, it comes from the same kind of a root word as expose or exposition. Now, what we want to do is, is we want to put ourselves in a position to expose what the Bible says. And I think that if you're going to handle the Bible faithfully, that's the way you're going to teach it. Um, whether or not you're teaching on a topic or you're teaching you know, through a, a, an assigned text that's been given to you or whatever, teaching the Bible faithfully is going to be exposing what the scriptures say. Because the only other option, if you're not exposing what the Bible says, then you are imposing your view upon the Bible. And that's a really dangerous place to be. Because God has taken such great care, uh, great caution, um, great um, uh, just love for us as his people to give us his word. And if we don't handle it well, if we don't handle it correctly, and we don't, we don't look to expose what the Bible says, uh, then we end up imposing our views and our thoughts and our beliefs into the Bible. And instead of standing in a position with the Bible over us as the authority that is in our lives, we end up putting the Bible beneath us and we stand on top of it. Now, I I would venture to say that most of you would probably feel really religiously violated if you saw somebody standing on a Bible. That would just be a, a terrible thing. You wouldn't want to see somebody doing that. But I think practically speaking, a lot of us, the way that we live our lives, 
a lot of the, the decisions that we make, a lot of even the way that the Bible is taught uh, in, in uh, our American culture, it can be very much this kind of thing where we're standing on the Bible instead of letting the Bible uh, be the thing that's over us. And so um, I just want to encourage you with that thought. Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a Bible teacher somehow. You lead a small group or you teach Sunday school or uh, you you do uh, something with teenagers, with student ministry. Whatever position you might be in, I just want to encourage you and hopefully redirect your, your heart and your mind or remind you that exposing what the Bible says is your priority. Nobody needs your opinions. Nobody needs what you think. Nobody needs your, your five ways to be a better anything. People need God's word. That's what we need desperately. And so uh, I just want to encourage you with that. One of the things that I get to be a part of along those lines of, of expository preaching and teaching is something called the Expositors Collective. Uh, and what this is, is it's sort of a, a grassroots movement that uh, began uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, it's, it's uh, centered around a couple of different things. One of the, the, the primary thing, the major thing, is a training weekend. And this training re- weekend is centered around a Friday and a Saturday by which there is um, uh, an intensive kind of seminar that's happening, different than a conference that you might necessarily um, think of when you think of this kind of a thing. Uh, there are main sessions, but they're much shorter, much more condensed into these you know, uh, shorter packages. And then there's a lot of practical application that takes place where um, the, the people attending these training weekends, they're able to put into practice the stuff that they're learning. Uh, even participating in delivering a mini sermon or a mini message and getting on the spot critique. Uh, what a cool thing. I know for me, that would have been extremely beneficial had I had something like that early on in my um, teaching career, if you want to call it that, in my teaching experience. It would have been great to have somebody who was an experienced Bible teacher help me with that. And one of the cool things about this Expositors Collective is that not only is it uh, people getting together, hearing these shorter kind of uh, snapshot talks about these different subjects of how to teach the Bible well, to do it correctly and faithfully. But also there is a, um, the, all of the people attending are placed into smaller groups of about six or so. And uh, one of the things that I have the privilege of being able to do is to to serve as a group overseer, that I get a group of men and, and uh, sometimes some ladies as well. What an amazing thing to be able to pour into them, to be able to help teach them how to faithfully handle God's word. And uh, su- such an amazing privilege. Um, well, we have some of these Expositors Collective training weekends that are being that are coming up in, in the very near future. In September, uh, we are going to be in uh, Howell, New Jersey. Uh, and so I would encourage you to be a part of that. The Expositors Collective is designed to pre- to uh, train up preachers and teachers from 18 to 34. And so it's designed and targeting younger preachers and teachers to be able to equip them as they grow. Maybe you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm older than that, but I, I'd love to still participate in this and kind of gather some of this information. Hey, the other thing that is uh, attached and associated with the Expositors Collective is a podcast. And so I don't know if you're a podcaster. I know I love to, to gather information and to take in some content through podcasts. And uh, the Expositors Collective is a tremendous podcast. I would highly recommend that you go to your app 
and you whatever app you use for uh, podcasting and you subscribe to the Expositors Collective and and start to, to go through those things, you'll hear not only will you hear some of the main sessions in these uh, training weekends, but also you'll be able to hear some interviews uh, from different people on different subjects, from different angles of approach. And uh, it's, a, it's a cool thing. I actually had the privilege of recording a uh, uh, an episode today for that podcast, uh, just uh, being able to, to do a, a, an interview with a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Nick Cady. Uh, you hear him here hosting uh, Calvary Live, typically on Mondays. Uh, and he and I sat down together and just talked about uh, Bible teaching and uh, primarily the idea of bivocational ministry. And what does it look like to have a full-time job and try to teach the Bible faithfully and do it really well at the same time. And that's kind of where our conversation uh, ended up and was was targeted uh, going along that way. So it was a really cool uh, time together. I really appreciated it. It was a lot of fun to be able to do that uh, podcast with, with Pastor Nick um, and uh, to be able to do that. Hey, give me a call uh, here at uh, Calvary Live. I'd love to be able to talk with you, to pray with you, answer some questions for you. The number is 303 690 3,000, 303-690-3,000. Or you can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. Something I was thinking about um, today as I was preparing for this time uh, together in in the scriptures or uh, on Calvary Live is just the idea of uh, Jesus and his example to us. Uh, one of the things that he says that Jesus told us in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, it says this, But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever, uh, excuse me, whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For, here's the big wrap up of this thought, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus has some pretty incredible things to say here in this section in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. And really, he points to himself at the very end of this teaching, and he says, look at me as the example. You see, there are many people within Christianity who are only receiving half of the discipleship that they desperately need. That, you know, we're called to be disciples of Jesus. In fact, that was the, the, it's known as the Great Commission. It's the last thing that he says in the book of Matthew to his disciples. And he says, I want you guys to go and to make disciples of all of the nations. Part of that discipleship is teaching, that they needed to hear the things that Jesus taught. And and people, essentially, when they, when they you know, keep this idea of discipleship to a teaching concept, they're really pursuing discipleship purely as an academic kind of a thing, that their Christianity is defined by a perpetual consuming of teaching and content and resources from the church. Uh, and and that's appropriate. It's necessary. We need, uh, you know, just the, to use the example of shepherds and sheep that Jesus uses and the Bible uses many times, we need to be fed and we need to be fed well 
the word of God. And so as we think on that, as we think about being fed the word of God, it's vitally important that we are. But while taking uh, in the teaching of God's word is vital to your spiritual health and maturity, it's not the only thing that you need. You see, teaching that doesn't produce doing, it's a deceptive trap. That's what James 1.22 says. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's this thing within you and me that, that uh, tricks us into thinking we've done something just because we've talked about it, just because we've heard about it. Maybe you have a boss who likes to have meetings for the sake of having meetings, or maybe you are the boss who likes to have meetings for the sake of having meetings. The reason that that happens, the reason that there are just these times spent talking over things is because something happens within your brain that makes you think you've done something. But it's a deception because you really haven't done anything. All you've done is talk about doing something. And so too it is with teaching. If we just receive content from the church and, and, and that's it, that's where it stops, then we're deceived into what really matters. You see, here's the reality. Jesus is calling us into serving the way that he serves. What this means is that there is only half of what you need that's, that's achievable or receivable through teaching in terms of your discipleship. The other half of your growth, the other half of your discipleship can only be experienced through the lowly, humble door of the servant. And you've got to get on your knees in order to go through that door. And what I've found is that there are a great many people who are not willing to go through that door. And because they're not willing to go through that door, they're stuck. They're stagnant. They're not growing in their faith. They're not they're not pursuing the Lord the way that they should be because instead of giving to the church, they're just receiving from the church. And so I would encourage you, maybe maybe if this word is a word for you today, that God is using this to convict your heart, maybe today's the day where you decide, I'm going to do something. I'm going to serve in that ministry that's been on my heart and mind or that thing that God's putting into your heart and mind right now. Or you're going to contact your pastor and say, hey, what can I do? How can I help? What's something that I could do? And, and uh, think, maybe consider the gifts that you have, the spiritual gifts that you have, and see what you could do in order to participate in the work of the ministry. Hey, uh, once again, my name is Cody King. I'm the lead pastor of Redemption Calvary, and I'm your host today at Cal on Calvary Live. Give me a call, 303-690-3000, or shoot me a text at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line one now, and Mike from Denver. Uh, Mike, you're on Calvary Live. Hi, Pastor. Um, I'm driving right now, so I'll just kind of ask my question, and then I'll just hang up and listen to your response. Sure. Um, but I have a friend that he believes, I'm trying to share um, kind of the gospel with him and whatnot, and he believes, um, like, the history of the Bible is true, as in, like, the individuals, like Moses lived, there was a Jesus-type character and whatnot. Okay. But his big hang-up is um, the miracles and the supernatural aspect of it. And I don't know really, I guess, how to reach him um, with that. Like, I can point out all the other evidence, but is, it, is that just something that I just do through prayer and that everybody else, you know, has to come to the gospel by themselves and they have to determine whether Jesus really was the Son of God or what else can I do? And I'll just kind of uh, leave at that and just listen to your response. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So as I'm considering that, Mike, I, I, 
I think that what really um, matters in that, my mind kind of goes in a lot of different directions because I start considering different questions like, is this person uh, a professing believer? And if they are, and they're not believing in the miracles of Jesus, and, and you know, uh, I think the, uh, the call screener says, or the divinity of Jesus, which would be a miracle for sure, you know, um, I would say that they're probably not a believer. Maybe they're saying they are, maybe they're saying they, they believe or they're a Christian, uh, but that would be someone who's a Christian by name only, not actually by belief. Um, and, and so when I consider this, when I consider somebody who is in that kind of a position, they're wrestling with these things, my mind goes to a few different things. And one of the things that I uh, think about and consider is how we are called uh, to give an answer uh, for the hope that is in us to everyone who asks a reason. Uh, that's out of Second uh, Peter. Uh, just that idea that we should be ready to give an answer. And the, the idea of that is what's called apologetics. Now, you may be familiar with this, Mike, but for the sake of those who might not, um, the idea of apologetics is not that I'm apologizing for being a Christian, you know, to say, to say to somebody, oh, I'm so sorry that I believe in Jesus. It's not that at all. The idea of apologetics is that I'm giving a reason for my faith, that, that the truth is, the reality is that faith in Christ, faith in the Bible, it's reasonable faith. And so because it's a reasonable faith, it's something that is worth uh, our investigation. It's worth our uh, hope and our faith being placed in it. You see, for me personally, I'm not a Christian because uh, I grew up in America and I just happened to hear the gospel message. Um, that, that reality, just it's just not true of millions of people in our country. Um, but that's one of those things that people throw out there. Well, you're only a Christian because you grew up in Western culture and Western society. And if you grew up in Eastern society, you wouldn't be a Christian because you wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have uh, Christianity or the, the influence that it has. I, I sort of understand that from a, a sort of small perspective, but on the grand scale of things, that's just a, that's just a smokescreen. That's just not the truth. The reality is the reason that I believe in the Bible, the reason that I believe in Jesus is because it is the most reasonable thing to believe. When, when I consider every other thing that is there to believe, whether it's some sort of religious thing that, that asserts a truth or asserts a reality, uh, or it's even the idea of atheism or agnosticism that essentially asserts that there is no God, that in, in and of itself is actually a religious belief system. And so if we treat it more like a religious belief system, then I think we approach it correctly. And in that, when I'm, when I'm doing that, the, the truth is that people believe things. People believe all sorts of things. And, and so my job is to uh, try to show them why what I believe is the most viable option. Um, there's always going to be an element of faith involved in it, but that's true of anything. So there's no, you know, there's no way that you can get around the idea of faith. That's just the way that it is. The, the, the reality is, you know, you don't have a choice as to whether or not you'll believe. You just have the choice as to what or who you'll believe in. And so, you know, with your friend, as uh, he's considering these ideas, uh, I think that that's a really big backdrop for, for you and, and me to consider. Um, along with those lines, one of the things that I do is I, I try to evaluate by asking a few questions whether or not this person has a valid, genuine question or if they're just saying things for the sake of argument. 
I hope that makes sense to you, that there are people who ask questions, but they're not asking questions. They're actually just attacking you and your beliefs, and they're just trying to poke holes in what you believe, not from the perspective of having a genuine question. Uh, they're just an antagonist. For those people, I really don't spend very much time answering their questions. Um, because the truth is they don't want to hear an answer. And it doesn't matter how good of an answer I give them, they're just not going to uh, receive it or accept it. And so I just typically don't spend a whole lot of time with that because it, it ends up being, um, well, what Scripture calls casting pearls before swine, that, the, that they're just not going to see the value of what you're throwing in front of them, uh, and then they're going to use that to turn and try to devour you. So I try to figure out, where where is he at? Is he asking from a perspective that's inquisitive and actually will let me give an answer? Or is he just an antagonist trying to poke holes in me or, you know, just try to uh, uh, make fun of me and my faith somehow? Uh, say, Let's say that your friend is uh, one of those people who just, you know, they've got some valid questions. They're just not sure if they should believe in this Jesus or this Bible kind of a thing. Well, I think for me, where uh, there, there are a couple of different things that come to mind as I think about this, and I'll try to wrap this up pretty quickly. But one of the things that comes to mind is the simple fact of our existence is in and of itself miraculous. Just, the, just the, the reality and simple truth that life exists on no other planet in our solar system and no other known planet uh, that, that we've been able to discover, that by itself is a fairly miraculous kind of a thing. Uh, the, the fact that uh, the the ecosystem works the way that it does, the fact that the temperature is set the way that it is, the fact that the axis of our uh, of the earth is set precisely for us to be able to have seasons uh, and it's not off by one or two degrees, which would kill us either by freezing or by burning up. Um, the fact that plants breathe out the thing that I need to breathe in and I breathe out the thing that they need to breathe in, um, the fact that there's water on the planet. I mean, just you take all of these factors and you take it into to account and say, man, that's, that by itself is miraculous. Uh, really what I think is that if you can believe Genesis chapter 1, then you can believe the rest of it. You know, sometimes people have a hard time. They go, yeah, well, Jonah, how could he be swallowed by a fish? That's crazy, you know? Well, the problem, I don't have a problem with, you know, Jonah being swallowed by a fish. The bigger problem is there's a fish to begin with that God made one. Um, it's Ravi Zacharias. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he has a book that's called Jesus Among Other Gods. And I would highly recommend this book to you as, as you're thinking upon these things. And one of the things that he talks about in his book is how people have trouble with Jesus and his miracle of walking on water. And they think, that's just crazy. There's no way that that's even possible. And what Ravi Zacharias does is he goes into great detail to explain how just the simple fact that the molecules of uh, hydrogen and oxygen come together to create water, um, and that, that the fact that water exists itself, that's a miracle. Uh, and so I think that we tend to try to, you know, figure out ways to, to explain the miracles. And some people try to explain miracles through some sort of naturalistic perspective, but that's just not the, that's just not the reality. You see, we believe in a supernatural God who wrote a supernatural book in a supernatural way and supernaturally has saved us. And so when we try to remove the supernatural, then we, we sort of, we, we take the teeth out of the lion, if you would, if you would use that analogy. 
Um, I, I think just one other quick thing to throw towards you in terms of the Bible is there are four kind of external proofs of the Bible, if you want to um, see it that way. And uh, it's used, uh, the, the ma- uh, excuse me, the acronym MAPS is the way to remember it. So M is the word for uh, manuscripts or the letter for manuscripts. That says that there are the, uh, over 24,000 manuscripts pointing to the authenticity of the Bible, which far exceeds the amount uh, of any other historical book. Uh, and so if your friend is looking at the idea of the Bible and its historicity, then perhaps that would be a way to go at it, just with the idea of the, um, uh, the, the scrolls that are found, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and how they validate all of the things that the Bible has said, including different people uh, within the Bible as well. As well as uh, A is archaeology, and that, you know they just go through S is statistics, and P is prophecy, and just the, the idea that that's uh, even possible. So I would encourage you to look into that. If you uh, uh, want some more to talk through that some more, give me a call, and I'd love to talk to you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll come back from uh, the break and answer some more questions. Call me at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, hey, welcome to Calvary Live. Uh, It's great to be with you today. My name is Cody King. I'm your host taking your questions and your prayer requests. Uh, It's great to be with you here in beautiful, sunny Colorado uh, here in the, the Metro Denver area. I want to thank uh, our listeners uh, from Grace FM for listening. It's great to be with you, uh, to be able to talk to you about the things that are going on in your life and to be able to uh, just spend some time uh, thinking on the Lord and uh, and talking about His Word and praying together. I also want to welcome our listeners on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Also, Truth FM in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Uh, it's great to be able to connect with you on the East Coast. What a cool thing that all, all the way from here in Denver, we can talk, we can uh, share the scriptures together and be able to pray together. What, a, what an awesome thing. And uh, if you happen to be listening from the East Coast, then you are hearing this broadcast on a one-week delay. But I want to encourage you, still call in. We'd love to take your call. We'd love to be able to hear from you, to uh, answer your questions and pray with you about different things going on in your life. Uh, So please give us a call uh, and send us a text as well. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, The the number you can use to call is 303-690-3000. And the text line is 720-336-0897. Again, my name is Cody King. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. My family and I moved here from Southern California to plant Redemption Calvary five years ago. Uh, We spent one year in uh, our home as a home Bible study. And then from there, we officially launched the church. So we've been here for five years. The church is about four years old, a little over four years, four and a half years old. And uh, God is just doing some cool stuff here on the north side uh, of Metro uh, Denver. And we're excited to be able to participate in it. One of the things that uh, has happened to us as a church is that we've recently changed our location. uh, We're we're in sort of a transition time right now uh, in our facilities. And uh, right now we're actually meeting in the Holiday Inn Express 
which is right near the Prairie Center Shopping Center in Brighton. So if you're from around here, Brighton, Commerce City area, maybe even Thornton, then you know where that's at. You you know the the Target, the Home Depot, the Chick-fil-A, uh, because they put something in their chicken that makes you crave it. Uh, and so you know where that's at. So right near there, that's where this Holiday Inn is. Uh, we are meeting currently uh, at that Holiday Inn uh, on Sunday mornings for one service at 10 a.m., if you want to get some more information, if you want to uh, get some directions, hear some messages from the church, uh, or more information about us, then you can check out our website. It is redemptioncalvary.org. That's redemptioncalvary.org. Also, you can listen to our radio program right here on Grace FM. It's called Redemption Radio, and uh, our radio program airs weeknights at 8 p.m. So that's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 8 p.m., and then also Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Uh, so I'd love to uh, hear from you. I'd love to be able to talk to you. I'd love to be able to pray with you. If you'd, love to, if you'd like to give me a call, uh, then you can call me here at 303-690-3000. Uh, you can also send in a text at 720-336-0897. But hey, if you're going to text... Make sure you're not driving. Pull over to the side of the road. Uh, make sure you're doing it safe. Don't text and drive. That's super dangerous. We don't want anybody getting into a, an accident because they're trying to text us or anything like that, or even just causing an accident uh, for that matter as well. Also, if you try to call that text line, you're not going to reach anybody. It's only uh, a text line only. So it's not going to be, uh, nobody's on the other end of that line to answer it. Um, hey, we do have a uh, text message that came in. Uh, this is from... Uh, Benita, she uh, is uh, from, it looks like she is from uh, Colorado Springs, I, I think RMC, Rocky Mountain Calvary. Uh, and so uh, it's great to hear from you, Benita. Thanks for sending in a text. Um, and she's asking for prayer as her husband, Mark, is deployed to Iraq. And uh, man, I just, I would love to be able to pray for you, Benita, and for Mark, and uh, just thank you. Uh, I guess that's the first thing that comes to my heart and my mind. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the way that uh, you and your family um, serve us and, and our country in a very unique and very specific way. And uh, just, I, I'm humbled by the opportunity and grateful for the chance to be able to pray for you guys. So let's, uh, let's pray for, for Mark and for Benita. Father, we want to bring Mark before you now, and we ask that you would be near to him. God, we thank you that uh, we can pray and that we don't need to be physically near the people that we're praying for, or that uh, the things that we're praying about, but that you transcend time and space, and you can hear us and simultaneously be near to, to him. And so, God, we pray that you would be near to Mark, that you would um, uh, encourage him and that you would bless him together today, that you would uh, give him wisdom as he's making decisions on where to go and what to do and, and how to conduct himself. God, I pray that you would give him wisdom in those things. I pray that you would keep him safe as he is uh, in Iraq and uh, looking to uh, serve uh, the people who are there as well as, as our country. God, thank you for the way that he serves and the way that he gives and the way that his uh, he places his life uh, in in the way of danger for the sake of others. God, what an honorable thing. And we thank you for that. God, we also want to pray for Benita, that you would be near to her and that you would encourage her as she has to be separated from her husband for this season, for this time. 
And I just pray that you would encourage her during this time, that you would give her wisdom on how she can serve her husband well during these, this season and uh, different things that she can pray for him specifically, or maybe just something she can write and send in the mail. Uh, and I just pray that you would give them many opportunities to be able to connect with one another uh, over, uh, over while he's overseas and uh, to be able to encourage one another. So God, be with them, be near to them, and we thank you for your great love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, my name is Cody King. I'm the pastor at Redemption Calvary, and uh, I am here taking your calls and your text messages. You can give me a call at 303-690-3000, or you can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. One of the things that we were thinking about at the uh, top of the show was how Jesus says, in uh, uh, Mark chapter uh, 10, verses 42 through 45, he, he basically tells us that uh, there are people in this world who view leadership from the perspective of I'm above and you're below. And really the, the way that the world measures greatness is uh, essentially how many people serve me? How many people are under me in the organization? How many staff members are beneath me? How many people answer to me? How many people come to me to uh, sit under my authority? And Jesus says in Mark here, Mark 10, 42 through 45, he flips this whole thought on its head. He says, whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. And then he gives himself as an example, and he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his right life as a ransom for many. And what we talked about at the top of the show, and just to kind of recap the thought, is that you can only learn half of what you need to know in terms of your personal growth and your discipleship through the avenue of consuming teaching. Yes, it's vital. Yes, it's necessary. God has given us pastors and teachers. God has given us those who have the gift of teaching to be able to uh, expound upon the scriptures and give us insight and understanding. Um, and, and it's such a gift for us to have those people. And I, I'm so appreciative of those who are in that position in my life, who teach me and, and pour into me in various ways. Um, and yet, there's this thing that, uh, that, that we can only learn half of what we need to know in our discipleship through teaching. The other half of, of what is necessary in your discipleship can only be accessed through the lowly, humble door of the servant. You see, if we're to put a grade on that, if you learn and you're just teaching and you're constant, or excuse me, you're taking in teaching and you're constantly doing that and you're taking in as much teaching as you can, you will only ever be able to get to 50%, which is still failing. You're still failing in your Christianity if you're only listening to teaching. You see, the other half of what you need to, to do is serve. That God has given you spiritual gifts. That God has given you uh, somewhere, some church to be a part of. And it's vitally important that you use your gifts to participate in that body. That you do something in that membership, that group of believers. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4, in talking about this idea, it says in uh, verse 11, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, 
Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And really what that's talking about, those, those uh, different uh, breakdowns, it's, it's much less the idea of spiritual gifts and much more the idea of offices within the church. So he's speaking more the idea of leadership within the church. And then verse 12 says this, there are three uh, sets of the word for in verse 12. And I think it's important because essentially verse 11 says that God has given leadership to the church. And verse 12 tells us why. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So essentially God has given us pastors and teachers and leaders and overseers. And the reason he's done that is number one, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. Now, if you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you have received by faith the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that you look at what Jesus has done and you say, that's for me. He paid the price for my sins. He sacrificed himself for me. It wasn't because the Romans were mean or the Jews betrayed him or because he just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. No, the, the reality is that Jesus died because of my sin. If you believe that reality, then that means that you have transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, that, that you have come from death and into life, and that you have gone from one who is on the outside to one who is on the inside. Some people read this word saint that we find in verse 12, and they think that it's this uh, kind of Catholic view. You know, it's this, these people who had to do these miracles and live this certain way, and they have to be dead and whatever. But that's, the Bible doesn't teach that. The word saint is never used in the way that it is described in terms of Catholicism. The, the word saint, it describes those who are in Christ, those who are saved, those who have believing, saving faith in Jesus, that they have realized their need for a Savior and they've cried out to Jesus to be their Savior. And so they've become part of the family of God. Those are saints. And God has given us leadership within the church for the reason of equipping the saints. So if you're a Christian, you are a saint. There, there's only two categories. There are saints and there are ain'ts. That's it. There are those who are in and those who are not in. There are those who are in Christ and those who are outside of Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're a saint. And God's given you a church and church leadership and their job, their role is to build you up. That's what they're there to do to build you up, to equip you so that you, so that you can do something. What it, Well, what should I do? Well, verse 12 continues. For the equipping of the saints, now this next phrase is, for the work of the ministry. How often do we think of the work of the ministry and the immediate thing that pops in your head is some dude who is a clergy member or some lady who's a clergy member. You know, someone dressed in a robe, wearing some sort of uh, funny outfit with a pointy hat, and you're like, those guys are the one doing the work of the ministry. Or it's the, the people on staff at your church, they do the work of the ministry. It's your, it's your pastor. That's the one who does the work of the ministry. That thought is actually an unbiblical thought. The reality is right here, Ephesians 4.12, your pastor is there to equip you so that you can do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry isn't this thing that you watch. It's a thing that you do. It's not something that you spectate. It's something that you participate in. And so you are being equipped for a specific purpose, not so that you can feel better about yourself, not so that you can just, you know, uh, um, know more Bible 
trivia and that way you can uh, you know, answer questions for people or sound smarter than other people. That's not the point. The point is for you to participate in the work of, of the ministry. Well, why? Why is that important? Hey, there's more of the verse. Verse 12 has this final four, the, the third four. So it says the equipping of the saints for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And then thirdly, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the third thing that needs to take place. The edifying of the body of Christ. This word edify, it's a word that means build up. That's what it, it, it means. It literally just means to build up. And here's the reality. Here's God's plan. God's plan is to use your leaders, your overseers, your pastors to fill you with the equipping, to encourage you, to teach you, to grow you, to mature you in your faith so that you then do something, you do the work of the ministry, and the natural result of that is the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is, it's the church. That's the body of Christ. And so um, I would just challenge you to think on that thought. Are you participating in the work of the ministry? And whatever you're calling the work of the ministry, is it directly related to building up the body of Christ? And if it's not, I would challenge you to say, you're probably not doing it right then. Because that's the uh, outline that we are given. And here's the crazy thing. As you continue on in this section, what it says there in uh, verse 16, it says, well, verse 15, we're told that Jesus is the head of the church. And then in verse 16, it says, from whom, from Jesus, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So let me ask you a question as you think about that. Is the body of Christ lame because of your lack of participation? And maybe that's a hard word for you to hear today. Maybe that's something that just really provokes you. And you're, you're tempted right now to turn your radio off and say, I don't want to hear this guy anymore. But please don't hear this in, such, in a condemn, co- condemnation kind of a way, in a condemning, uh, talking down to you sort of a way. But please hear it in an encouragement, in an exhortation to say, you're missing out on what Jesus has designed you for. And if you want the best life that Jesus has for you, it's not going to be found through five ways to do a better this, that, or the other. That's not where you're going to find it. You're going to find it by submitting to what the Word of God says, by by declaring that Jesus is your God, not just in words, but also in deeds. So I'd encourage you with that thought today. What is perhaps the body of Christ lame, unable to perform the way that it should because of your lack of participation. Or here's another way to say it. What if everybody in your church, including your pastor, served the way that you do? What if they did the stuff that you do? What if they gave of themselves the way that you give? What if their effort was placed into the work of the ministry the way that yours is? Would the body of Christ grow? Would it be edified? Would it... Um, would the, the body, as it says there in verse 16, would it cause growth of the body? Or would the body shrivel up and die because nobody would be taking care of it? I think it's a, a challenging thing to consider. And I hope that you take it as an exhortation and jump in, participate, be a part of what God is doing. 
Hey, my name is Cody King. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary, and um, I just have I have the privilege of serving some amazing people uh, here in uh, the North Metro area. We are located in Commerce City, uh, here in beautiful Colorado, uh, which is a North uh, Metro Denver City suburb of of Denver. And uh, we are uh, just excited about what God's doing here in our city, the way that he is calling people to uh, faith in him. He's bringing people who, are been, who have been estranged from, from the Lord back to himself. He's causing people to grow in, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in tremendous ways. And it's such a privilege to be able to be a part of it and these precious uh, saints and this precious body that's here. Uh, we have recently moved part of our um, location, and we're now located uh, in uh, for you know the next probably month or so. Uh, we're going to be located at a Holiday Inn Express, which is in Brighton near the Prairie Center Shopping Center. Uh, and if you'd like some directions or listen to some messages uh, or even get some more information about the church, you can check out our website. That's redemptioncalvary.org. Uh, we'd love to be able to see you on Sunday mornings. Uh, if you'd like to visit us, we have one service at 10 a.m. Uh, it'd be amazing to be able to have you there. Uh, and if you happen to come because of the radio or because you're listening to me even right now, I'd love to be able to know that. So would you tell me, would you just come up and introduce yourself and let me know that you've been listening on uh, Calvary Live or even our radio program, Redemption Radio? It'd be cool to be able to know that kind of a thing. Um, so I would just encourage you as you're thinking about uh, the, this idea of your growth and your participation in the Lord uh, to, to jump in, just be a part of what God is doing. Hey, we have uh, open lines here. Uh, you can give me a call, 303-690-3000, or send me a text message, 720 um, let's see. It looks like we have, uh, some, uh, text messages, uh, coming in here. Um, I, th let me look here for a second. Uh, read a, uh, text message here. Someone, <laughs> someone says, what do I think of Nick Katie? Uh, I think he is cool. Um, I, I think he is cool as well. I think this might actually be Nick Katie. Uh, trying to get a shout out for himself. I think he's amazing. He's actually a really attractive man. Uh, I think that he is uh, well-spoken and an amazing guy. <laughs> uh, so I love Nick. It's great to be able to spend time with him. I count him as a, a dear friend uh, in the Lord. Um, someone sends us in a text message that says, is kingdom now biblical? Um, I'm not sure what uh, that is. I'm not, sh I'm not familiar with kingdom now. Um, but, uh, if you'd like to give me a call, maybe we can talk about it. Uh, 303-690-3000. So if that's your text message and you want to talk about that, uh, I'd love to be able to talk through it with you. Uh, right now let's go to, uh, line one, Catherine in Westminster. Uh, Catherine, you're on Calvary Live. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, absolutely. I had a question about, um, I've been reading some, uh, Bible studies on the Version app. Yeah. And uh, I was reading Luke 16, the parable of the shrewd manager. Okay. And I'm just not understanding it. I don't okay. understand who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, what am I <laughs> supposed to do? I don't... <laughs> For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Luke 16. Uh, let's see. And that is... What, uh, what verses are you looking at there? I'm just starting at uh, 16, uh, 1 through... Um, oh, 13? what is it? 1 through 13? Yeah. Okay. Great. 
All right, so um, let me just start re- start off by reading a little bit of this, and we'll try to go through uh, some of this and, and pick a, pick it apart a little bit. That's one of the hard things that we have as we look at parables is trying to figure out what is what exactly is being taught here, uh, mm-hmm. because it is a story along those lines. So it says in Luke sixteen one, he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him. Uh, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking my stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. Uh, I am ashamed to beg. I have uh, resolved. I've resolved what to do. What that when I am put out of the stewardship, I may receive. Uh, they may receive me me into their houses. So verse five, so he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of, of oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly uh, and write 50. And then he does this a couple of more times. And so is that kind of what you're thinking about in terms of who, is this good? Is this bad or, or what's going yeah, on? Yeah. I mean, this seems very unscrupulous, you know, for him to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so really, you know, we get down to the end of it, um, and it says, um, in verse nine, and I say to you, so this is where it sort of, uh, transitions. Um, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That, that's basically just talking about the idea of, of money, of using something that's, you know, just, it's neither good nor bad. It's sort of a neutral thing. So make friends for yourselves this way. Uh, that when you fail, they may receive you into the everlasting, into an everlasting home. Uh, he was faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he was unjust in what is least is unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful uh, in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So essentially, what this is talking about is how um, the guy, while he had a stewardship, he could have um, dealt well with his stewardship, but he didn't. And so it wasn't until he was um, in this position of trying to figure out what to do with himself and realizing that he had used his position only for his gain that now he's, he's thinking, oh, no, I've got to figure out how to make some friends. And so what I'll do is I'll go and undercut my master's bill in order to do so. So what's not being said is, hey, do uh, illegal things or un, you know immoral things uh, in terms of, you know, taking from a previous master. What it's doing is it's illustrating the idea of if you're willing to do that financially uh, and and you're willing to try to make friends that way, then you should be doing that uh, at all times with the things that you do have that are under your care. And so how are you using your time? Are you using your time only to pour into yourself or are you using it to try to uh, divide that out and give it to other people? And uh, how are you using your money or how are you using your talents? Those kinds of things. Okay, so he should have been doing that all along instead of waiting until he was going to be fired, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. He, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily that he should have cut the bills in half as much as it is he could have used his position better. He could have right. used his authority in a better way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was just very confused. I mean, the, the one, the uh, and my version says worldly wealth, and uh, I was just trying to, is all wealth, you know, that we have worldly wealth, is it all tainted or is it all, or is it just neutral and it depends on what we do with it? Yeah, I so it's, when it says worldly, it's not necessarily meaning evil. 
Um, it's just, it's more qualifying it as of this world. So it's not a spiritual thing. It's a physical thing. That's the okay. way it's, it's describing it. And I would actually um, put the category of wealth more to a good category than a negative category. But okay. what people can do with it can very easily swing negative. I see. Okay. And that's what the point of it is to, to be wise in what you do with everything you have. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. to think about it from a spiritual perspective and how can I use this in a way that honors God the most. Okay, so the the eternal homes of the friends didn't I still don't really understand that except an eternal home is a good thing. Um, yeah, um are you uh let's see. Are you talking it, about It says in my version gain friends for yourselves so when your money is gone you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Yeah. Yeah, so um what that's it's sort of taking the idea of this is a um uh like a not eternal in terms of how we would think eternal, like uh, after death, but more like you've made these friends and so now they're, they're willing to take you on as long as you need in, in order to get back on your feet kind of a thing, that they'll, they'll receive you as long as you need. Oh, okay. Okay. That, that makes more sense. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's very confusing. It sounds like a simple story, but I was just not understanding, you know, the gist of it. But. Yeah, when you start picking it apart, there's some parts of it where you're thinking, what in the world is going on? So I think right. the <laughs> biggest thing in this is the, the concept of stewardship. That's what's being conveyed. It's not so much all of the details. And that's one of the hardest things in looking at parables is what details matter. So it's, it's, it's not so much the idea of the eternal home, and it's not so much the idea of the guy cutting the bills in half. It's more the idea of stewardship. That's what's, what's being targeted. And when we apply that to our lives, what we end up coming to, where we should come to is, I own nothing. All of what I have is God's. Therefore, I have to manage it in a way as understanding I'm going to give an account to him. And I don't want to get fired by Jesus. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah, now it, that puts it in a better perspective for me to understand. Awesome. Right on, Catherine. Right. Thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Well, uh, we are coming to the end of uh, the show here. I don't think we're going to be able to get to uh, our last couple of callers here. We've got about a little less than a minute left. Rick, thank you for calling in about a question about salvation and Aaron. Uh, about how to apply gifts of mercy. Uh, maybe call in uh, tomorrow. We'd love to be able to talk to you um, and uh, be able to answer those questions for you. Uh, but God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. Thanks for joining me today on Calvary Live. It's been an honor and a privilege to be with you today. My name is Cody King. I'm the pastor at Redemption Calvary. Check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org. I'd love to see you on Sunday morning. We have one service at 10 a.m. God bless you. Have a great week. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.